Parshas Balak, we have the blessings that Bilam gave the Jewish people. Of course, he wanted to curse them, and Akash Baruch Hu made him bless them instead. So one of the things he said was a famous Pasuk. People say it as an introduction to Shachris. He said, he said, Matovu, he says, Vayaris Yisrael Shochein L'Shvatav. He saw the Jews were, he saw that, that the dwellings of the Jews were dwelling tribe by tribe, and the, and, 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 and the spirit of Hashem rested on him, and he said, and he said, Matovu Alecha Yaakov, how goodly are the tents of Jacob. The Gemara in Baba Basra derives an important halacha from this. The mission in Baba Basra says, the way their homes and courtyards used to be arranged, like some of our developments, is that there was a chatzar, which is a semi-private communal space, a yard, and there were various individual houses, batim, that opened into the chatzar. The batim were owned by different people, and they all shared the chatzar as communal property. The chatzar was more than just a parking lot. They actually used to do certain things in the chatzar. They would, weather was good, they would actually do some of their, run some of their household affairs. In the chatzar, it was kind of an outdoor extension of the house, and it was shared by the different members of the, different members of the chatzar. So the Mishnah Baba Basra says, a person in a chatzar ashutfin is not allowed to open an entrance to his house, Pesach Neged Pesach, an entrance of his house, directly facing the entrance of someone else's house, but chalon, connected chalon, neither is he allowed to open a window facing the, other, facing the window of another home in the chatzar. This is to preserve privacy. They shouldn't be able to see straight, you shouldn't be able to see straight from your open door into his house, into the door into his house. You shouldn't be able to gaze from your window across the chatzar into his window. The Gemara said, Minani Mili, what is the source for this? Rabbi Yochanan said, it's a pasuk, he saw the Jewish people, they were, they were encamped, they were dwelling according to their tribes. Ma ra, what exactly did we see? Ra, she'ein, she'ein He saw that the entrances to their tents did not directly correspond one opposite the other, so they couldn't see straight from one to the other. This is a people who have such good habits, who are so meticulous about proper conduct, they deserve to have the divine presence rest among them. So this is the source for the Mishnah that the, that the people in the Chatzar Shutfin shouldn't open doors and windows facing each other. The Mishnah goes on, the Mishnah says, we'll, we'll, we'll return to this a little bit later, but uh, in the meantime, just read one more point in the Mishnah and the Gemara. The Mishnah says, Avul Pasechul Rabin Pesach Neged Pesach. The way we live, we have, let's say, individual homes, neighbors, one, 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 one is across the street from the other, one is just adjacent along, along the street from another one. So the, 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 the Mishnah says you are allowed to open, let's say your house faces someone else's house across the street, then this halacha does not apply. You're allowed to open a door in your house facing across the street to a door in someone else's house, that's mutter. Why? Why don't you have the same concern that if you open your door, you can see into his house, and that's the same problem of invasion of privacy? So the Gemara says, because here we can say, 
Anyway, people are in the streets. Even if I don't open my door here, you anyway can't do anything that requires privacy because people in the street can see in. So anyway, anything that's visible through your door, you're going to be careful. You're not going to do anything private. Once you're not doing anything private, you don't have to worry about me either because you're only doing things that you don't, you're not trying to hide, that don't require, uh, that are not sensitive. So you don't have to worry about, I'm not adding anything. When I open my door, I'm not doing anything more than, any, than, the, than the passenger, than the passerby in the street would be doing anyway. So to put this in modern language, the, the idea is that I only have to respect your, your need for privacy when you have an expectation of privacy. When, in a case where your door doesn't face the street, so if not from my door, you would, if not from my door, you would have an expectation of privacy. So then I shouldn't open a door because I'd be invading your privacy. But in a case where anyway you have no expectation of privacy because your door faces the street and people in the street can look into your house, so, so obviously you aren't going to be doing anything that requires privacy, then you have no concern. You have no con- I, I don't have to worry either because I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be doing anything that isn't already being done by the B'nai Rishas Aram. You're not going to be doing anything. You're anyway going to be careful to avoid doing anything sensitive in a, in, in, a, in a part of your house that can be seen from the street. So this is the Gemara. The Gemara is based on the Pasuk in Parsha that there's a problem, uh, a privacy-related concern that doors shouldn't face each other, except for that case where the Rishas Aram is in between. Doors shouldn't face each other. Windows shouldn't face each other. Rameir Halevi Abulafia, the Ramah, and the Rashba as well, they explain that this law, this, these rules that, that, that people are supposed to have privacy and people are not supposed to configure their homes so that they can gaze into each other's homes, this is not just a question of, of good neighborly relations, of civil law. Much of Babastra is in, 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 in Seder Nazikin. It deals with civil law, the, the rights that people have against each other. In particular, much of Baba Basra deals with Nizke Shechenim, the, the rights of neighbors against each other to have uh, enjoyment, to have enjoyment of their property, not not uh, not hampered by their neighbors' things. The neighbors can't make certain types of noise and can't uh, can't conduct operations that cause smells to invade the neighbor's property, and they can't do things to the ground, pour chemicals in that will uh, leach into the neighbor's property. And if there are trees that grow into the neighbor's property, they can be cut down. So much of Baba Basra deals with the rights that neighbors have against each other, neighbors have on each other to, uh, to, to behave properly, so that, that, that we, the, much, of, much of these halachas are basically balancing the right, uh, my right to enjoy my property and do what I want, and your right not to have my actions bother you. So we, how, do we, how do we reconcile those rights? So that's what we call niskesh chenim. And this particular sugya we're doing now, what we call hezekriya, damage or injury caused by unfettered visual access, is one major and complex, but one subtopic of hezekri- uh, one subtopic of niskeshenim, that neighbors are not supposed to have unfettered visual access into their neighbor's property. So, 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 so many of these halachas are rooted in civil law. They're in choshen mishpat. These are laws involving rights and obligations that neighbors have against each other. But the, but the Ramah and the Rashba add an additional dimension. Besides a civil law issue, they say this is another Lamakum as well. This is something that, that goes beyond the, neighbor, the neighbor's right to privacy. This is a matter of tenius of modesty. God wants the Jewish people to arrange their, their, their dwellings in such a way they won't be able to see each other's property. The, 
the the Ramah mentions that 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 there's an issue of Ramah mentions an issue of he says he says mechila doesn't work even that mechila does not work even if the neighbor waves even if the neighbor waves his right I don't mind if you open your door opposing my door he Ramah infers from this sugya that doesn't work he mentions tenusa dunashi feminine modesty women may do things that uh, in the privacy of their homes that uh, wouldn't be appropriate for the other neighbors to see. So, so, so this is not just a question of civil rights, that, that, uh, of individual, individual civil rights, Hosh and Mishpah rights that the neighbors have. This has been Adzal Makam as well. It's a matter of Tineus, that it's not appropriate for people to be able to freely gaze into, into each other's homes. And Mechila does not work. That's the position of the Ramah. Similar point is made by the Rashba. The Rashba discusses that some of these halachas involving the Gemara talks about the need to make a fence, that, that neighbors can compel each other to build a fence between the, their properties, again, for Hezekiah, so, so that they shouldn't be able to see into each other's property, that they, they can compel each other to join, participate in the construction of a fence, to uh, a privacy fence between the two properties. So the, the Rashba says, similarly to the Ramah, that even though the Gemara says that the quality of the fence, the durability, what, whether, whether they make it out of uh, very strong material, very durable material, or weaker material, that, that depends on minhag. The, the, first, the very first Sugin Baba Basra, the Gemara talks about how there were different minhagim as to how thick and how durable the wall would, the wall would be, that in some places the minhag was to make a very durable wall, so if one neighbor says, I want to cut corners and build a cheap wall, the other neighbor says, nope, the minhag here is to, is to invest and build a durable wall, you have to join me in a durable wall, if the minhag is to make a cheaper wall, a less durable wall, and one neighbor wants to spend more money, the other neighbor can say, no, I don't want to spend more money. The minhag here is to make a, a simpler wall, a cheaper wall. That's all fine. As long as the minhag is to make some kind of wall, then the minhag can, can determine exactly what kind of wall they build. However, if the minhag is to completely ignore Hezekiah, to say, we don't build walls at all, we have no sense of privacy at all, the Rashba, like the, like the Ramaz, says you can't do that. You can't be Mochel Hezekiah. Why not? So the Rashba says, it because, because that violates tzniyos, that violates basic standards of modesty, modesty, which the Torah requires absolutely, regardless of whether the, the, the individuals are willing to waive it or not. It causes the Shechina to leave, to leave Yisrael. The inverse of what Bilam said, Bilam said that if Klal Yisrael is noheg b'tzniyos, if, if they behave modestly, then they merit the divine presence among them. And on the contrary, if they are not noheg b'tzniyos, then the Shechina will leave. That's not waivable, the Rashba says. That, that's not a question of That's not a question of rights they have on each other. That's a basic halacha. Halacha requires at least some minimum level of, of privacy fence is required. And that is not something which the neighbors have the right to dismiss and disregard and say we don't need it. The halachas of Hezekiah, as you mentioned earlier, about exactly what kind of fence, and the, 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 it's an extremely complex area of Choshen Mishpat. We're not going to be getting into the, the vast array of technical details. We're going to discuss tonight a few of the less complex uh, applications, including some contemporary applications of, of these rules of Hezekiah, of, of the notion that the, halacha, that, that the halacha insists that people arrange their affairs in a way that preserves some level of privacy. Incidentally, we've been discussing, we, we, we've been assuming that Hezekiah, that the concern for, is either Tznius, as the Ramah and the Rashba say, or is a general concern for privacy. The truth is that the Rishonim give a variety of interpretations for what exactly the concern 
for why, why you're not supposed to be able to look into your neighbor's property, what exactly the concern is. Some say ayin hara, the, the evil eye, some kind of mystic, mystic concern that gazing into your neighbor's property can actually cause him harm. But others say privacy. Others say a person does things in his house that are private, that he, that he doesn't want people to find out, either because he'll be embarrassed or because he can suffer financial harm if he's doing uh, confidential business dealings things that if they were to get out, they could cause him financial harm. So, many, so, so a number of the reasons offered by the Rishonim are more, are more or less analogous to what we would consider privacy concerns, putting aside, putting aside Ayin Hara, which is some kind of mystic concern. Many of the, the, the other reasons offered by the Rishonim are pretty much uh, different components of what we would, consider, we would consider privacy issues. So a number of contemporary poskim postgame of the last century, the last half century, discuss why, why neighborhoods today, even neighborhoods that are designed and built by Jews, Jewish contractors, Jewish homeowners, why we don't seem more concerned about these halachas of uh, not building doors opposite each other, windows opposite each other. In the Sefer Mishkinos Yisrael, Sefer Mishkinos Yisrael, he wonders why, he says, even, even in Haredi neighborhoods, we don't seem to be concerned about this. He says, he says it is a plea gedola. The mission of Yisrael is by Rabbi Yisrael Grossman, a leading postdoc in Yerushalayim a couple of generations ago. He says, he says that the plea gedola, he says, those who plan and design Shikun Haredi, again, we don't control the rest of the world, but Haredi neighborhoods that are planned and designed by Jews, by Shomrei Torah Mitzvahs, why, don't, why are they not mesim lave? Why don't they pay attention to this, Isser? You're not allowed to design things in such a way that doors face doors and windows face windows. Again, we already had the Gemara. The Gemara said that if there's a street in between, that's fine, because anyway, you're not going to do anything private in a, in, a, in a doorway that opens to a street. But in, I guess, uh, less traveled areas, in areas that, that have chatseros or, or, or two, two homes next to each other on the same side of the street, with no street in between, in these types of scenarios, he says, people don't seem to be at all concerned with this halacha, they build, they, they design pairs of buildings, groups of buildings that do have doors facing other doors, windows facing other windows. It is a plea gedola. He is very baffled and disturbed by this. It's a Mishnah and a Gemara, and it's a Pasuk and the Torah according to the Gemara. Why are we not more concerned? Similarly, in the Sefer Pisvei by Rav Yaakov Blau, one of the last century's leading experts on Choshen Mishpat, also in Yerushalayim, he says, Lo yadati. I don't know, he says, I honestly don't know why Loma lahakel. Why in our time are we lenient about this in, uh, in neighborhoods to open, even the worst case scenario, doors, opposite doors. The Ramah explains that's the worst scenario. So he doesn't really, so he doesn't have an entirely satisfactory uh, reason for why we're not more careful about this halacha, why we're not particular about this halacha. He suggests that the prohibition of Pesach and Eged Pesach is only when they exactly correspond, They're a perf- they, they perfectly correspond. However, when, there is, when, when they're slightly displaced, either uh, laterally or the height is different, he says, then it, we don't have the stringency, at least the stringency of doors opposing doors. The Ramah himself distinguishes between one door, one door corresponding to another door and a window corresponding to another window. The Mishnah, the Mishnah gives both examples. But the Ramah explains that the, that, that, that the one we learn from the Pasuk, the one that's a question of tzniyus, that's absolute and objective and can't be waived, that one is doors. Windows is not as bad. 
says the Pesachoshin, the concern for doors, the specially strict concern for doors, is only when they correspond exactly, when, there's, when, they're, when, when they're not an exact correspondence, then it, it has the more lenient status of windows. I'm not sure exactly why. If we're concerned about tzniyos and feminine tzniyos, I'm not sure why, if the door is slightly displaced, you don't have the same concerns. But that's what the Piskechoshin says, that maybe the heter is that they're not built to correspond exactly. Furthermore, he says, the, he says of the Pesach, of Mar Peset, the porches they have, the enclosed porches that are common in Israel, that doesn't count. We only worry about the, the front door of a house, a door that opens to a street. Again, not sure exactly why, but he says, all right, Pesach of Mar Peset doesn't count. However, he says, in apartment buildings, this is a real problem, he says. He says, we make uh, in stairwells and in, in, in buildings that have a couple of apartments and on the, t- on, in the top of the stairwell in the hallway, we have apartments that one door faces another door. He says, he doesn't understand. Again, why don't we have the same concern? That if the doors are open, they can see into each other's homes. Efshir, he says, perhaps, Bismanenu, in our times, he says, usually there is a hall in front of the, ho- in front of the house. So the front door doesn't open directly into the bedroom or the kitchen. So the, usually there's some kind of hall. And in the hall, you don't do private things. Depends on the house. So some houses, uh, my house, for example, you, there is a kind of landing, but you can, you can if, if you open the front door, you can, you, can, you can see straight into the living room. You can see straight into the living room couch. So, so I'm not sure. He says, in Yerushalayim at least, in the homes that he was familiar with, he says, generally there's some kind of hall, and the hall, you don't do private things. And then again, you don't have the din of Pesach, Neged Pesach. He refers you to the discussion in the Mishnah of Yisrael, so again, he doesn't have an absolutely compelling reason for why it's mutter. He has these various proposals that the doors don't correspond exactly, or that we have, uh, we have hallways that interpose between the private areas of the house and the, and the other door, and that alleviates the problem. Other achronim offer another explanation. Going back several hundred years, in the Marit Talon, Marit Talon was, was in Eretz Yisrael 500 years ago in Sfas, he says that he was asked a question as follows. He was asked, this concern of the Mishnah, the Gemara, of the Pasuk, this concern for Hezekriya, this concern that it's inappropriate for people to have unfettered visual access into each other's homes. So he says, he was asked, is there any, is there any limit? Is there any limit in terms of distance for how far, how far away the two houses, how close the two houses have to be for this to be a problem? He says the... The Minog Pashut, he says, the widespread custom in Tzvas, 500 years ago, he says, was that people are not meticulous about this concern, about opening doors, facing other doors, unless they're very close by. However, he says, if they're far away, he says, people generally don't object. People generally don't have a problem. If there would be a problem, Ayla Dover Sof, he says, because eyesight, the, 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 he says, the eyes can see quite far. Kalamilan, they can see miles away. He says, and it, it's absurd, he said, it, it, it's, it's inconceivable that someone on one end of the city can turn to someone else and say, don't open a door because I have line-of-sight access to your house. So you, you, you would have line-of-sight access to my house. Don't open the door. So it kind of, intuitively, it doesn't seem right that someone can object the whole city away. Again, we already mentioned that there's no objection if people in the street can see. And also, I guess he's talking about a case where there's no street in between, but there's a direct line-of-sight access from one house to another, he says it seems inconceivable that the, the concern would apply. So we have to give some kind of uh, we have to give some kind of rule. When is it a problem? When is it not a problem? The minog he says was to be lenient unless they were very close by. So what's the halacha? He says 
So he discusses the whole, the whole sugi, he discusses, he, he has, he has, he has an, an entire truth about this, and he says that his conclusion is that, that there's not an absolute uh, rule, that it's, it's subjective. He says, It's a judgment call, literally, literally a judgment call by the Dayan. He has to make an assessment of the situation. He has to invoke his, uh, his bina, his understanding. And again, he doesn't, the question is how you do that exactly, but uh, somehow he says, we're not going to give you an exact rule, a code, which contains uh, precise figures of how far away you have to be. The Dayan has to make a judgment call. And if there's a minog, he says, crucially, he says, if there's a minog be'er, kavua, if there's a fixed and established minog, then we follow it. Mimikra uh, din, though without a minog, he says, that there's no shir. Without a minog, it would be arbitrarily far. And uh, certainly, according to the Rashba, he says that that's not just a question of, of, uh, of the rights of the, of the neighbors, it's, it's a halacha, because it's neos, then certainly that, that, that you have to be concerned, you have to be concerned uh, for the problem. Again, how, how does Minog override if there's an Isser? I'm not sure. But that's the position of the Meretz alone. He says, in Yesh, he, he reiterates again, in Yesh Minog Be'er Holchen Acherav, if there is, any, if there is a Minog for, 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 for when we're concerned about Hezekiah and when we're not, we follow the Minog. We already mentioned earlier that the, that the, that the Rashba says that if the Minog is to ignore Hezekiah, that's not a legitimate Minog, because the Torah says it's important. The Torah says Sneus is important. But if the minog simply regulates how far away, you know, when we're concerned, and how we're concerned, if the, in the details, the, min, the minog has, uh, has authority to establish exactly how this halacha is implemented. And Bartzenu Tzvas, he says, in, uh, in, in, our, in our region, in Tzvas, he says, The minog is, and nobody ever complains, nobody ever files suit about Hezekiah, where the two points are far away, so the minager, he, he ends as he began, the minog in Tzvas is to only enforce Hezekiah when the two neighbors are nearby, not when they are very far away. And indeed, some poskim invoke this in explaining why we are not more meticulous about Hezekiah today. In Rav Tzvi Shpitz's Mishpatea Torah, Rav Spitz is a popular writer on Chosh Mishpat, in his uh, Rav and Adayan in, in, in Eretz Yisrael also, so he, he also discusses these questions about modern construction done by Jews, who are Shomrei Torah mitzvahs. Do they have to be concerned about, about Hezekiah, about constructing their doors and windows in such a way that they won't correspond to the doors and windows of other homes? So he says, he says that, nope, you're allowed to do it, he says, that, that even if there are, even if you're going to be, even if your doors will face other doors, you're allowed to do that. But uh, that mikra din it's mutter, it's desirable, it's appropriate, he says, to arrange it in such a way to, to minimize hezekiah, to minimize these types of invasions of privacy to the extent possible. That's his ruling. Mikra din, you can you can pretty much do what you want, but it's an ideal to try to avoid hezekiah as much as possible. Source: What's his analysis? How does he get to this point? He explains the source is the tshuva of the Marit Telon. Marit Telon says that, that in terms of the implementation of Hezekiah, we follow the Minuk. And he explains, Rav, Rav Spitz explains, you can't really design a city, he says, to absolutely, completely eliminate all Hezekiah. Someone's going to see something. Otherwise, everything would have to be so far away that nobody could see into anyone, or you'd have to build fences all over the place, he says. Uh, he, he just gives the example of making it very far away. 
He says, practically, it's, it's, it's not realistic, it's not practical to build a city that would completely uh, eliminate Hezekiah. So anyone, he says, who lives in a city understands that when there are empty lots, they're going to build there, and there will sometimes be uh, potential violations of his privacy. And that's the minute, he says, and Aldas Cain, he, uh, Aldas Cain, he, he, buy, he, he buys a house and he moves into the neighborhood knowing, that, knowing he's mochel, that, uh, that there'll have to be certain compromises made. Again, I'm not sure how this is different from the time of Chazal and the time of Bilam, where apparently it was possible to design, design homes in such a way that, there were, uh, that they didn't face each other. I, I'm not sure how, how much more room they had in the Midbar or in ancient cities in ancient Israel. I'm not sure why he thinks it was so much more practical, but he says today it's not practical. Today everyone understands that, that it's not realistic, and therefore that establishes a minhag, a de facto custom, Anyone who, anyone who moves into a neighborhood enters knowing implicitly, explicitly, implicitly understands the minhag, and therefore the minhag is that, 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 that we waive some of these rigid requirements of Hezekiah. Particularly, he says, that the, that, uh, that, that they, today he says contractors are allowed to build, uh, are allowed to build as, they, as they please, but there is a rule, he says, that contractors are required to build shutters, shutters on the windows. So, the, so, so when anyone buys a house, he buys a house with shutters, and he knows that if he's, uh, that, 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 and he understands that if he needs to do anything private, he can just close the shutters. We have shades today. Here, here in the U.S., uh, shutters maybe are less popular, but we have shades and so on. And once again, he says, we follow the Maritz alone. Minhag is the is the guide. Minhag provides the guiding rules in these situations. That whatever the minhag is, that's what we do. So once again, this is what we've discussed uh, often in the past: the idea of a minhag being self-justifying. On the one hand, the post can say that you, we we can't use a minhag that completely contradicts and negates the concern for hezekiah. That's what the the Rashba says. If the minhag is to ignore hezekiah, that's not acceptable. But if the minhag is to regulate distances and so on, that we do. So Spitz, at least in the excerpt I have here, I, I'm not sure if he's saying that there's uh, the minig allows, he, he feels the minig does allow you to totally ignore Hezekiah, or he just assumes that it's only a part, the minig allows a partial waving of Hezekiah. I'm not sure, but, but again, the question that was bothering Rabbi Grossman in Mishnah Yisrael and Rabbi Blau in his Pesach so so Rabbi Spitz is approaching from the perspective of the... Of the Maritz alone, that minhag plays a minhag plays a crucial role here, and since the minhag is in modern construction that we build in such a way that unfortunately the concerns of Hezekiah of Chazal are not always satisfied, so Rav Spitz says that itself is self-justifying. The fact that people enter the area knowing that's the minhag and they have the expectation that that's how things are going to end up, that itself justifies it. The fact that they entered Al Das Kane. They entered implicitly waiving their right to have to have the laws of Hezekiah fully enforced as they were in the time of Chazal. In an article by Rebelli Elio Lifshitz, not sure who he is, but he has an article on this topic. He talks about uh, the fact that again there, there is a shinui in the Archas Achayim, Babaniya Hamadarnis. There are changes in the lifestyles and in the modes of construction, the modern modern lifestyles, modern construction methods. So uh, how does this affect the halachas of Hezekiah, the halachas of privacy? So he quotes a, he quotes a psaq from the rabbinic court of Kiryat Arba. He, he, quotes a, uh, he quotes several dayanim in this situation. So one of them, he says, 
Rav Yoezer Ariel wrote in, wrote, in, wrote in the verdict that in our day, there is no concern for Hezekiah, at least not at all the same as it used to be in the past. Today, the whole halacha of Pesach, Neged Pesach, Bilam's halacha, the halacha of our parsha, you can't build doors facing doors, is, doesn't apply at all. And the reason is, similar to Roshpitz's point about the, about the shutters, he says, today the, we have doors. Back then, doors were just open. They didn't always have doors on hinges. Sometimes, because I'll talk about Blossos and Hekertier and so on, but he says often the doors you know, didn't really close. Today, our doors always close, and we have shades and so on. Today, he says, practically speaking, of the fact that our doors face each other, the doors mostly kept closed. So you don't have to worry about Hezekiah. Yasser McCain, he says, furthermore, since, uh, since we have internal lighting, we have electric lighting, so windows are not so important. So again, you can block the window. You, can, uh, you, you, you don't need open windows as much. So you, don't, you don't have to worry so much about uh, my windows, my inability to use my window. People still like having windows. It adds light to a room. It adds air. But people don't like living in, uh, in, in cellars and in the, there are four walls and no windows. But windows are not, don't have the same role that they used to have that they used to have in the time of Chazal. And uh, so, so today, you know, if he builds a window, you'll close your window. You'll close it when, when you're doing something private. You, you don't need the window to be, to be open as much as it used to be. So because of changes in how we live today, these, can, these concerns, but not, the concern of Hezekiah is still a concern. The, the concern of privacy, objectively, is to, in itself, is still a concern. But because you can close the door and shutter the windows and, and pull down the shades and so on, we're not as concerned about these things as we used to be. He brings also from Rav Ozner that he says the, the, the rules of Chazal, the principles of Chazal, the fundamental principles that we need to have a strong respect for privacy, for, the, for, for, for modesty, and so on, are still in force. However, these principles, their application changes based on the contemporary reality because today we live differently and, the, and today the privacy can be preserved without doing the exact same things that Chazal described so we can preserve the, the fundamental values of Chazal without necessarily preserving the exact details of the way they protected these rights. He says that the... Furthermore, he mentions another argument from the Chazanish, we're not going to get into it, to why there'd be an additional basis for leniency. I'll call upon him, so many posts can testify to the fact that the Minog is not to, be, not to, not to enforce these halachas as, as they are on the books. Why is not so clear. There are a variety of creative svaris, not so, again, it's, it's, it's a kind of surprising that until the 20th century, nobody really acknowledged this, but the 20th century postkim have offered a variety of explanations, you know, more or less compelling explanations, for why we simply pretty much ignore the halachas of the Mishnah and the Gemara and even the Pasuk. The We mentioned earlier, the, the Mishnah and the Gemara, they talk about the, the idea of expectation of privacy, that if there's a street, a public street between the two properties, you can't say that if you open your door facing mine, then I'm not going to have any privacy. You anyway don't have any privacy, because people on the street are going by all the time. So you're not doing anything that requires privacy. This comes up in another, in another discussion. There are a couple of early sources, Rishonim, early Achronim, that discuss the question of Hezek Shmiya. The Gemara always discusses Hezek Re'iya, if I can see into your property. What about Hezek Shmiya, if I can hear what's going on in your property? Do we have to build a fence that's thick enough and dampens the sound enough that I can't even hear what you're doing in your property? Miri says no. Miri, in the 13th or 14th century, Miri says no. The fence can be very thin, doesn't have to block sound. We don't worry about Hezek Shmiah. Chazal talk about Hezek Re'iyah. 
we don't walk, we, we're not worried about Hezek Shmir. Rebellion is Rachi in the 16th century. He also says that we're not worried about Shmir, because they'll talk about Hezek Riyah, they never talk about Hezek Shmir. And he says basically the same thing. However, the Meiri, when he says that we're not worried about Hezek, we're not worried about Hezek Shmir, he says, why Adam The reason is because people are careful not to speak about private things when they're outside. When, when, when they're in a place, they can be overheard. This is the same idea we see in the Gemara. It's kind of circular, but that whenever somebody has an expectation of privacy, you have to respect it. Whenever he has no expectation of privacy, and he himself, we, he himself knows that, that he can be overheard and therefore is careful not to speak uh, private things, you don't have to worry about it. So according to the Meiri, in principle, in principle, there would be a concern, except that we don't have any reason to believe that he's speaking privately when he's outdoors. And the, the Rebbe Yom Mizrahi just says, Tamazai, that there's no, there's no concern for Hezek Shmiya, only for Hezek Ria. But a number of contemporary poskim assume that the, that, that the real rule here is the rule of the Meiri, that in principle, there's no reason to assume that Hezek Ria is treated differently from Hezek Shmiya. In principle, eavesdropping and listening to someone's private conversation is just as bad as Hezekiah, except that there's no expectation of privacy. So they say, in a case where a person does have an expectation of privacy, if you were to tap his phone line, for example, or if you were to uh, somehow you know, use a directional microphone to point it at his bedroom window and listen to what he's talking about in, the pri- in, the, in, his, in his private quarters, there would be an issue, because... Even the Meiri doesn't say that, that fundamentally there's no reason to be concerned about Hezek Shmiya. He just says, when people are outside, and you're talking about building a fence between the two neighbors, when someone's in his backyard, he doesn't speak about private things, because he knows he's outside, he knows he can be overheard. But, in a, but, but if someone is speaking inside, if someone is speaking in a context in which he does have an expectation of privacy, then various contemporary posts can say that the, that, that the early authorities would agree that there is a concern for... There is a concern for... Hezek Shmi as well, as long as he has an expectation of privacy. Pesachoshin, again, makes this point. He says, all the, all the Re'em is saying is, is that you can't, is that Chazal didn't grant you the right to force your neighbor to build a fence, he says, but you certainly can't actively listen and try to hear what he's saying. Uh, fine. We'll just close with one very interesting tshuva. I saw this a number of years ago, but it still is a uh, very, very uh, interesting tshuva in the Chevel Nachlaso. He wants to know if you can be, if you can send a rachfan with a matzlema. A rachfan is a drone or a quadcopter with a camera. Can you send drones with cameras over your neighbor's property? Does it matter what kind of property? A home, a yard, a garden? His answer is, perhaps not surprisingly, no, you cannot. This is one of these areas where the Halacha certainly lines up with common sense. He says, you are not allowed to send a drone with a camera over your neighbor's property. Certainly not, again, in, in a public spot, in his front yard that's visible from the street, maybe you can. But he says, certainly in a place where he has fences, and he has an expectation of privacy, he says, he says and he deliberately builds fences there to, 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 keep, to keep his privacy, certainly he says, you cannot send drones into private, over into people's private property to photograph them and uh, that is certainly something that you are not allowed to do, which, of course, makes a lot of sense in terms of everything we've been learning. Then he says, he says, somebody asked him, if someone does send his drone over your property, can you shoot it down? How would you want to uh, shoot it down? He's not actually discussing uh, taking out a gun and firing at it. He says, 
Can you do? Can you do what he says? Shibush hateder haalchuti, wireless frequency jamming. Can you jam its radio connection so it lose, he loses control and it crashes? Or he says physical methods of interdiction. I would have said uh, with a rifle. He says birds, birds who are trained to uh, anti-drone birds. I guess you can have anti-drone drones as well. He says, uh, can you do that? Can you down his drone because it is invading your privacy? He quotes some case uh, where the, there was an American warship, he says, in the port of Haifa, and there were those who sent drones in. I'm not sure who sent these drones in. The IDF, the Arabs, uh, Israeli citizens. People send drones to photograph the Israeli warship. Sfinat Milchama Amerikait, he says, and the drones were apparently uh, knocked down by wireless jamming. Neither here nor there is a halachic matter, he says, but that's just an example of what he's thinking about. He wants to know, can you knock down the drones that are invading your privacy? So he says, he says, yes. He says, Lachari, you could, because we have a rule, halacha allows vigilante private action to secure one's rights, actually related to what we had in, uh, we have in the end of the parasha with Pinchas, who strikes down Zimri. That was because he was doing an Avera, but this, it's related to the halacha that a person is allowed to enforce his own privacy, property rights as well. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to only, the, unlike what, what, what they say in, the, in, in modern democracies, the, in, in modern uh, political theory, we say the state has a monopoly on the use of force. Halacha does not accept that. Halacha says that private citizens also have certain rights to use force both to uh, prevent people from sinning as well as to enforce their property rights. So he says, we could argue that if his drone is infringing your privacy, so he says, uh, maybe you could. And he says, maybe not. Maybe is only when there is uh, a hezek that has a cost. He's causing actual damage, $10 of damage, $100 of damage. He's causing some kind of measurable economic loss. When he's just bothering you because he's invading your privacy, he says, maybe not. But he says, no, he says his conclusion is that applies here as well. If he has no right to do it, he says he's doing something wrong after the fact. Yes, if you sue him after the fact for invasion of privacy, halacha may not have a remedy. Halacha may not have tashlumen. It's a form of grama. It, it, it's, hard, it's hard to, uh, to, file, to file suit al-pi halacha for, we mentioned earlier, Hezekiah is one example of niske shenim. Postkim grapple with this, but many cases of niske shenim, you can object, uh, you can ask for an injunction, but you can't demand damages. The guy makes a lot of noise stops you from sleeping, you can tell him, don't make noise, maybe, but you can't necessarily tell him to pay you for the loss of sleep that you had. But he says, he says good, that, that, that's all very true, he says. He, they, maybe you can't sue for damages after the fact. But right now, when, he, when he's doing something wrong, and he's sending his drone in, and he's interfering with your rights, your privacy rights, your property rights, he says, yes, he thinks you would be allowed to knock down the drone and destroy it, he says. That's the only thing you can do, he says. What are you going to do? File a suit, he says. In the meantime, he's invading your privacy, he says. So that would be and he thinks that that would be that would be that, that, that would be fine, he says. He thinks it's a terrible thing. People photograph people at the beach and in the swimming pools, he says. This is uh, unconscionable, he says. This is terrible. And he actually is inclined to say that you would be allowed to, uh, to, to destroy the drone if necessary to protect your privacy. Now in general, in, in the halachas of the rule is if you have a way of protecting your, your rights without causing property damage to the other person, you have to do that. Assuming it's not going to cost you anything or 
terribly inconvenience you, you do have to uh, you do have to try you do have to utilize a uh, less destructive means of stopping him. So if you have some way of just you know sending his sending incapacitating his drones without destroying them, if that's possible, you would have to do that presumably. But if you can't, if if, you're all, if, if the only thing you can do to stop the drone is going to destroy it, so the chevel nachlaso is of the opinion that you'd be allowed to do it, and I would tend to agree that that seems to be an eminently reasonable conclusion.